You're listening to Faith from the Margins, a spirited dialogue into the intersection of faith and identity. Welcome, friends, to a new episode of Faith from the Margins. I'm Damien, one of your co-hosts, and we are so glad that y'all are here with us today. Hi, friends. This is Andres from Chile. I'm one of the other co-hosts, and we are really grateful that you have taken the time to join us for this conversation today. Y'all, this week we have a special guest. Our conversation today is with Lenny Duncan, author of Dear Church, a love letter from a Black preacher to the whitest denomination in the U.S., and he's also authored United States of Grace. Lenny also has a podcast called Blackberry Jams and serves as the second vice president of the Vancouver, Washington chapter of the NAACP. Yes, we wanted to talk to Lenny uh, because of his experiences as a pastor in the ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And in that role, he did a lot of work around anti-racism and reparations. So you will hear some of that in our conversation. We also cover other topics like um, Lenny's opinion and the interaction that he had with our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. And we also talked about his podcast. We talked about his faith journey, uh, the changes that he, well, the changes from my perspective. You, you'll hear from him about his, his journey, basically. Um, personally, I always learn from Lenny, from his books, from the conversation with him, and all the other ways that I encountered Lenny. I always learn from him. I always feel challenged by him in this case to to look at myself, to look at my faith, and to look at our denomination and the work that um, we are doing towards liberation. All that happened um, on this conversation, and our invitation is for you all to reflect on Lenny's experiences and his opinions and see what's, what comes up for you. That is why this conversation is also important and meaningful for us because it is truly faith from the margins, which means the space that we provide here and the guests that we have and the conversations that we have with people are truly also from the margins. We are not here to just talk to people from our own denomination or background, or they may be thinking the same way that we do on every issue. Lenny is giving voice to those who have left the Christian church, and we have given him space to share those experiences for this very reason. Exactly. So before we keep telling you more details about the episode, because we actually want you to listen to the conversation, um, I think the best uh, thing we can do is to go ahead and listen to Lenny and all that he shared with us. Before we begin, we wanted to let you know about some housekeeping issues. For example, you will hear some background noises. Those are Lenny's bracelets, and you'll also hear, I think, at some point, his dog um, on the background. So this is what happens when we record interviews from different countries. Hopefully, it won't be too much of a distraction. Here we go. I mean, I, 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 know you're, I know you're presiding bishop. And well, that's great because I don't know him, but I would like to know him someday. Yeah, he's, you know, hey, 
what you see is what you get with him. And and in a lot of ways, which is actually better than a lot of other national mainline leaders right now. So, you know, Michael Curry has never said, I I just want to say this because this is an Episcopalian church. Michael Curry's never said Black Lives Matter. Mm. Not once. And it's stunning to me. It is absolutely stunning to me that the closest one of us will get, and by one of us, I mean the Lost Tribe of Shabazz and or one of us, the those of us who had black history interrupted in our particular part of the diaspora and the particular tribes and the particular peoples who ended up on the North American shores, mostly in the South, and then after the great migration spread all over this great land, right? Great land, this empire. Um, so, so, you know, there's a particular kind of point of view that, that, that comes from that. I, I forget where I was going, but when we're talking about audience, you know, here are me and Leslie, we're doing a podcast about fish. So we got this new podcast, uh, Blackberry Jams and, and she's a faith-based organizer. We met during faith-based organizing mm-hmm. and they put together Black Lives UU, which is a separate, uh, BIPOC started, but black mm-hmm. Unitarian Universalist. And, 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 and when I see Michael Curry, right, and, and those kids went to great lengths to make that happen. And they're not kids, but, but, but you know what I mean? Like they went to so those groovy folks went to great lengths, right, to do that. They like, you know, they knew that the Unitarian Universalists had promised the Reverend Dr. King a couple million dollars and that he was assassinated before they could pay it up. And so they claimed they, they, they went and they cashed in. They say, hey, you promised our people this. All of our leaders were assassinated by COINTELPRO, um, design, economic disaster, uh, total abandonment of the public education system, which was really targeting black and brown folks. And the byproduct of that is that we have all these dummies who don't believe viruses are real. Like, you know what I mean? That, that's, that's just like a that's just a feature of, of, of the system. It's not a bug, right? Yeah. Like that's just, that's just one of the features. Um, and then you look at Michael Curry, who's the closest any of us historically could be to the, to, to the throne of St. Peter, which is important to me. Mm-hmm. When, when I was ordained, you know, I was ordained and I asked my Bishop, you know, clearly I said, who were the three Episcopalian bishops present at your consecration? Apostolic succession is important to me, you know, and and we'll get into more why why it's still important to me post being a pastor. But apostolic succession is important to me. And and so here we are, right? The closest, I think, a black American or African diaspora victim, prisoner. I don't even know how you would describe himself, right? You know what I mean? Could ever get to the throne of St. Peter. And yet he won't say the words Black Lives Matter. Just a small interruption to invite you to check out the episode notes where we share a video from presiding Bishop Curry where he talks about Black Lives Matter. Let's continue. That's, I didn't. I didn't know that, but that's, that's. Yeah, he's just never publicly said it. He's just never publicly been like, "Hey guys, Black Lives Matter." Never. And, and, I, and I say this because because and I, and I I just want you. I want I want your church to know this. I want your listeners to know this. I said this to his face a year ago during the uprisings. He asked me to do a racial justice thing for him, which I don't even know if they liked. Right. Um, and, and I did it middle of the uprisings and I'm like shot out. Like I've been getting tear gassed and shot at for weeks and, but people are calling and they want to know what's going on. And I want to report it out to the churches first and then to others. Cause that's my calling at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said to him, man, you know, I said, Hey man, like, you know, like when everything was jumping off in the twin cities, you invited the chief of police of Minneapolis and St. Paul, but you didn't invite any of the activists. And, and bro, you've never tweeted Black Lives Matter. I said that to his face, very kindly, very respectfully. Not like how I just said it to you. No, and I think, I mean, that's 
that's something that we should all practice, you know, that if we don't like something or we don't agree or we have a problem, um, we have to tell the person in their face. In If we can do it kindly, that would be the best. <laughs> well, that's what I did. Listen, they asked me, and, 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 this, and the church does a lot of this, so I want to I wanna back this up a step. So I've been doing a series of these things. No one is really listening to me. Uh, the situation on the ground was deteriorating here. I had already watched the wall of moms be shot, tear gassed and beaten. I had already watched the wall of veterans be shot, tear gassed and beaten. The kidnappings had just started. I had gotten off the streets, and then there were two shootings in my neighborhood with that were police involved. So, like, I was back out on the streets again after taking maybe two days off, three days off, mm. and. I get a call from the, from the Episcopalian church. And, you know, at the time I had a shout out to Sierra. She's not with me anymore, but she handled all my like day to day. She was the best ever and everything's a mess. And she's been gone in a lot of ways um, administratively. But as there's been more room, I think I got out of my box a bit more too, when I stopped just taking everything the church was throwing my way. But, you know, out of those couple dozen requests to speak, she says, there's this really insistent, priest and i talked to him i think named michael and he won't stop emailing <laughs> now she's not a church person so she's yeah. like she doesn't she's like, know <laughs> she's like this really annoying motherfucker like you know what i mean like that's like her vibes you yeah. know what i mean she, she's a neighborhood girl who i just you know i use as a gatekeeper right yeah you know and she's like and she had good mama energy right yeah. You know, and I don't want to say use in the pejorative sense, but like, you know, we all have uses oh. in this universe. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yes, that's what she's, she knows how to do. And um, she's going to be one of those, like, you know, you could tell she's going to be an elder when she's ready to step into it. Right. And, you know, and that's, that's from one elder, right? Like, you know, stepping into that role. Cause now is the time for us to rise up, you know, and be elders of all this. But, you know, like, I said, no, honey, that's the Episcopalian church. And that's the <laughs> Episcopalian preach, honey. Priest, honey. Like, we, we'll answer him. And it was like, and I'm going to keep it real, it was like $500 or 2000 It was like chump change in the middle of, like, you know, there are literal federal agents who are border patrol. And we can talk about this because you're in Chile right now. Yeah. You know the danger of when border patrol starts policing citizens within the interior. You know what happens after that because America has caused that same thing to happen. And it's interesting that the Trump administration used the same tactics that we deploy against people in the global south. And you know, mm -hmm. we could talk we can we could talk about what that means with his border policy long term because I I don't think it's not I don't think it's just about fortress America. I think it's like he wants Mexico and he wants the global south under his thumb. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in, in new ways, like, you know what I mean? Like just yes. making, like, 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 like just making Tampico, Texas, like, <laughs> like, like, you know, just wild shit. But that's when Michael asked me to do it. Yeah. The, the right reverend, the bishop, the presiding bishop, right? Yeah. The, the, the throne of St. Peter asked me and I responded. Yes. My only request was give me 15 minutes alone with him. Mm. and they gave it to me and that's what i said to him you know i said it to his face and i haven't said this nationally like i didn't go on like npr and say this oh, yeah. right? and you had right? you have a lot of places that you can have said it nationally right 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 I, but you know like you know this is this is your guys's bishop he's accountable to you he's accountable to the stuff you do he's accountable to the work you're doing in houston the work you're doing in chile the work saint stephen's doing in partnership uh there are yeah. great i mean Y'all are doing this thing that you think is like novel, but I'm telling you, there's like a whole network of like on the Lutheran side of like interfaith pastors who are having these kind of discussions with folks like you who are like, we're like liberation. And you're like, yeah, nine generations deep. So get the fuck out of my way. Right. But then there's this weird exchange of after that, like defensiveness is over. Mm -hmm. right like us trying to prove ourselves and y'all being like what the fuck are you talking about in those kind of exchange between comrades across uh these 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 sort of um these sort of false you know dichotomies and borders and, and yeah. cultures and when we have these discussions i think what you realized and what saint steve i think what the gift saint stephen is giving you is you realize there are people in the empire 
who actually want to burn it down. And what's interesting about that is when you realize when you get up close to really oppressive systems, you realize they're chock full of good people. I'm grateful that you are sharing the story about your interaction with the bishop, the presiding yeah. bishop. Because and great guy. I love him. I love his writing. I love his preaching. I love a lot of the public moves he's made um, throughout think, this time. But, I think we, we all have to be, as much as we are Episcopalians and we can defend him or defend the church or defend many things, and many maybe some of our listeners won't like this conversation or you sharing that, and I think that's okay. I think it's important that we have the conversation and that we think about, you know, we have to be critic of our church. We have to well, challenge well, our church if, if we, we love it to change it and to grow. And yes, and because we love it. So, so I thank yeah, you for I, that, for, for sharing that, Lenny. I think and before, I would also say, I, yeah. I, and, I, and I would just say on a larger sense, I think 2020 um, showed us that, uh, our, at least in the at least in North America, and I can't speak for anywhere else, but in North America, our major mainline leaders really failed us at a critical time in salvation history. And what I mean by failed us is that they didn't intentionally do anything nefarious. These are not bad people. Once again, the premise is oppressive organizations are chock full of good people trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's the premise we're going to start with. We're going to start with these are good people, but. The aggregate effect on the ground was they were completely unprepared and, and the writing was on the wall and they had no answers other than mm. abstain from the host and sit in your house. When really, as the national bishops, you know what I would like to see? I'd like to see in all the Presbyterian board, all the Unitarian board, all the, the, the uh, uh, presiding bishop Elizabeth Eaton, presiding bishop uh, Curry. Uh, I forget who overs at the UCC. I know that I know that Tracy's there, but she shouldn't have to do it. She's done so much. So send some other part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that trifecta, oh, yeah. right? And and they should have put on burlap sack, and they should have threw charcoal on their heads, and they should have abstained from the host until the eyes of a weary creator looked down upon her children. But yet we didn't get that. What we got was a bunch of repackaged, we can still keep church going, keep them tithes going, support your pastor, keep that building open. Bullshit from most denominations. We didn't get like, wow, we're at a critical juncture in man's history and we need to all pay attention. We didn't get this is the rise of evil and we need to stand up against it. We didn't get that policing in America is dangerous for black and brown people full stop. And a byproduct of that, it's also dangerous for police. So if you care about police, you should be involved in this. Yeah. Like it's, we didn't get that. And so I, I, I just think for a larger framework for our discussion, I just want to say that, like, I tell you that story because um, I really believe it's a time of the practitioner, the everyday practitioner. We no longer, I think the death of clericalism is, 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 I think it happened. And I don't think the bishops noticed. Well, before we continue with our conversation, Lini, because I know you from social media, from following you, from reading your books, um, before we continue, I want you to tell people that might not know you or might know just a little bit about you who Lenny is, and I know that's gonna, we could talk a lot about that, so who Lenny is and where are you now, at what stage in your life are you now, because you've done a lot, but yeah. you have gone through some changes recently, so Yeah, absolutely, yeah, so I grew up in West Philadelphia um, to give you a little bit, I always try and, um, you know, if it's mostly white listeners, I try and frame that for you in something you may not know about. So I grew up in a neighborhood where the move bombings happen. That's M dot O dot V dot E, the move bombings. And a move was a anarchist primitive movement trying to get people in the neighborhood to go back to nature. They were weird. It did weird shit. Yeah, and, um, like you know what I mean? And like people didn't like it. Right. And, uh, and, um, you know, they had some teachings and some ways 
And, you know, and at first the Philadelphia Police Department treated him like the other folks. They treated him like they thought they were like the Panthers and invited them to like gang negotiations and shit and quickly realized they shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, um, but they were involved, you know, uh, John Africa was involved in the community. Uh, this is where Mamiya, um, Abul Jamal, who is still on death row to this day, you know, this is this is where this all this is all the stew. Frank Rizzo's the uh, the the police chief. It's illegal for three black men over the age of twelve years old to walk in a group of more than three because it's gang activity. Wow. Um, and so I grew up on Sixty Third and Race, where that bombing happened, and you can look it up. But basically, the Philadelphia Police Department flew a helicopter full of uh, dynamite and dropped it onto my neighborhood um, when I was seven years old. And so that's like the framing I come, you know, that that's like the lens, you know, I yes. woke up to America with in a lot of ways. And so I uh, was houseless. Um, I don't say homeless because no one's homeless, um, mm-hmm. but, was ho- but was houseless uh, and, and, and houseless by choice, really, in a lot of ways, living that kind of um, um, Romani or Gitano, you know, mm-hmm. like really. And, you know, there's a long history of black folks and black mysticals. Uh, because there was a lot of intermarriage in the South of, of, of people who were Romani and black and, and, you know, and indigenous. And so, you know, really kind of lived that lifestyle, ran into the Grateful Dead um, uh, in 1993, Jerry Garcia band, and just sort of took off uh, and, you know, saw America, um, (laughs) saw all 48 contiguous States uh, by the time I turned 16. Um, And really kind of came back to the East Coast with this sort of like changed perception. Um, was always a smart kid, but, uh, you know, just didn't really do shit with it. Um, had lots of interactions with the criminal justice system, all of them in pot legal states. I was arrested for marijuana in wow. California, Oregon, and Colorado. And those three felonies kept me from uh, going to school doing anything, uh, sometimes, you know, getting any help with mortgages. Cause there were lots of programs to help people like me get mortgages. Like, why don't you sign up for a housing program? Why don't you do this over the years? And it's like, well, you can't when you have like three drug felonies, by the way, you know, they gave me top tier felonies for pie. And like, typically these were small sales in yeah. the course of other investigations. And when they didn't nail me on other stuff, they'd come in and say, well, we got you selling us an A for weed on the fifth. And you're like, God damn it. You know, like, Dumb stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nothing serious, right? And uh, that really affected the course of my life profoundly. Um, really thought I had a problem with drug and alcohol and like spent a long time in 12-step programs. Never really felt like I was a fit, but couldn't figure it out. Still um, haven't had a drop of booze uh, since for, I mean, it's almost 12 years now. I think it is 12 years now. I didn't even celebrate this year, but it is 12 years now. Well, you should celebrate. And, uh, <laughs> but I... um. You know, uh, ended up uh, having this experience at the back of a show. You know, I was houseless and um, I had just gone on like my last bender um, again. And um, I was standing at the back of a Grateful Dead show and I heard a voice and it said, you're getting sober today. And um, that's not like the miracle for me. Like the miracle for me is I believed it. Because mm. you can hear lots of lots of messages. Yeah. You don't, but you don't believe them a lot. Yeah, I believe this one. Pay attention. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I was, um, it wasn't like, it's like I was told. Hmm. It's like an order in a way. And I was right. And then I just was, and, um, you know, and like, well, on this like weird journey, ended up going to a seminary, getting a scholarship, uh, uh, going to the Lutheran theological seminary at Philadelphia. Um, after bouncing around in a few like evangelical kind of style things, I had like no denominational loyalty, like that voice I associated with Jesus Christ from my Mm -hmm. perspective, Jesus was entering a very full room, but you know, um, the church, you know, but when I got to LTSP, the professors I met were ready to meet me with that spirit. You know, they were ready, you know, my, my, my main professor of missiology, uh, the Reverend Dr. Raja Shekhar, constantly talked about how particularity was the, 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 the problem in any Abrahamic tradition. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it seeds dissent, not only in negotiations between interfaith groups, but in general. And so 
Um, you know, so so met with a spirit of universality. Uh, first time I preached was the no, the first time I put on the collar or letter liturgy was the weekend after Charleston, um, the Charleston wow. massacre. Well, so yeah. I've got. So I've only, I've only, I call my, I called myself at the time a, a post Charleston preacher. Um, I still mm. consider myself a, when I preach a post Charleston preacher. Um, and so that's the only, um, that's the only uh, kind of, you know what I mean, like uh, way of engaging the church. I know, uh, keeping your head on your head on a swivel watching the liturgy for nasty things coming up in the news and then, you know, fighting with the hell, whatever the hell has been going on and still currently going on here. So, um, it's a small world because I was living in South Carolina when that happened. Um, mm. I was living in Columbia, South Carolina, which is like two hours away from Charleston. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And I, and that, that was really, that's when I knew that's see, that's old. There's, 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 there's evil in this land and there's old evil in mm. this land. And when that boy got told to do that, a member of the evangelical Lutheran church, Dylan Roof got told to go in there and do that by whatever was in him around him or talking to him. Yeah, that's old. That that that's old oppressive energy, right? Yeah, and uh, that's old scratch. That's that's old scratch himself, you know. And so when I saw that, I kind of knew that we were going to be we we were going to be battling. In a lot of ways, like new activists always could be like, "It's the same old thing." Well, of course, it's the same old thing. That's 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 you know, it's it's supremacy versus liberation. That's that's the human experience. Yeah, and I think it's the nature of, of humanity. You know, we go through these cycles and it just repeats itself as, unless we do different things. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, maybe each time it repeats itself, we elevate it a little bit more. We get a little closer, right? Yeah. And so, and so you know, um, you know, so it was a pastor, uh, started one church in Brooklyn called uh, Jehu's Table, um, wrote a book called Dear Church, a love letter. Uh, from uh, from a black preacher to the whitest denomination in the U.S. It did pretty well for itself. Yeah. Um, have a new book out called United States of Grace. That's my memoir. Um, that's more talking about the idea of what's it like to defend the republic from the position of a citizen who's never had the rights or privileges of one. Hmm. Um, and it's not one of those books where it's like, here's a story about a kid who had a hard life and now he's awesome. Because like, I hate books like that. <laughs> Actually, United States of Grace is about everyone who's listening. Um, I yeah, take I'm, I'm reading it now, currently. Yeah, so I take the seven most tragic things that ever happened to me, and I use them to reveal who are the people who come around you in those moments. Who are who are the angels? Yeah. Um, and the premise is, is that we are the republic. We are the community. We are what we want to see in this world, right? Mm. Um, and, and that we're the gift, um, and that 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 even in moments of great pain that's revealed right i think it's some of the deeper lessons in the book but it's also a perspective in the side of america you've probably never seen um uh yeah. and so you know I'm, I'm i mean most americans so <laughs> not you i mean most americans yeah so, awesome. Awesome. yeah yeah you know and so i wrote that um and then recently you know um have been on the ground offering care, comfort, and spiritual aid um, to organizers and frontline freedom fighters in Portland, Oregon. Um, since uh, I didn't get on the ground, I don't want to lie, I didn't get on the ground till like, till like May 30th. Um, but, you know, and have been involved in one way or another, currently sit as the second vice president of the Vancouver, Washington NAACP. I recently resigned my call as pastor. Um, you know, I think a lot of the big lessons for me in 2020, and sorry for the folks at home here and this big old dog just chewing on this pine cone. For me, the lesson was, I, I, I don't think the church is God's chosen vessel on earth anymore. I think we are. Um, I think the lesson is, is that it's time to move beyond the church and it's time for us all to become practitioners in our own homes, in our own lives, in our own spirituality. 
And if you experienced what I experienced March of 2020, you felt it, you know, and, and something shifted and you've been on a journey ever since, you know, and that journey's led me to like embrace more African traditional uh, religion. Um, I spent a year and a half, uh, well, about a year now, um, but a half year doing some research before that, but, you know, really leaning into uh, Ifa, um, mm. which is the, uh, the root religion of, 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 of what most people call Santeria or Lukemi or Conjure or Vudan or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and the names go on and on and on and on where you're from, right? There's all these different names and different variations, but it's a religion that comes from where my people came from, you know, my literal people um, from Nigeria. And, um, you know, and, and I went through the process of first being named a, a, a priest, a, a, a Olo uh, mm-hmm. Oshun, Olo Oshun, or, or, or um, and it was Olo Oshun Daisi. And um, I just came back from the last of my ceremonies and I was birthed uh, Baba Awo and Oshun. Um, and if you put that name together, and if you know my story, you'll probably like this. It means child that loves spared, loves Ifa priest or de- mm. because because they were destined to be loves Ifa bearer. Wow. Right. And so, you know, and those those names are divine for you can't pick them, you know, like. Yeah, yeah it's not uh, like you are going to name yourself. Yeah, there's, no, there's none of that. There's none of that stuff. It's none of that, like you know, that that weirdo kind of self help spirituality that's been being so. I'm, it's not weirdo stuff. I'm just saying that, like, there's power in a name. There's even more power in being given a name. Yeah, I mean, definitely, of course. I I can I chose my name because you know, as a trans person, I was like, okay, the birth, my birth name was not what identified me. Now I I choose this name. So right. there's power. There's power in that, of course. But it's right. also there's also power when a community sees you for your true self and, and names you. you and yes, you. yes, and there's 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 something deeper in that exactly because like you know I have I've carried lots of names too when I was on the street I was spirit because I didn't want everyone to know who the queer boy was you know what I mean running around the streets of America right so I get that too there's so much power in names even my name I was given as a child Leonard Alexander Duncan. Uh, the the defender or ward of the dark clan i'll take mm. that yeah right like that's not a bad name right like no. but there's power in names for sure so you know that's that's sort of where i'm at uh my phd work is starting at graduate theological union and it's actually the focus of the early church conjure and ifa and its connections mm-hmm. um in how the black church and particularly the spirit of the black church that we see that 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 song that swell that 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 energy uh you can trace it all the way from nigeria to the azuzu revival right mm. and so that, or at least that's my premise I, yeah. who knows if i'll prove it right well, that's and, the, the journey <laughs> that's the journey right and so uh, uh i'm teaching at a lutheran school i'm teaching at pacific lutheran theological school i'm working on a bipoc uh, certificate program with the reverend dr allen uh and under the auspices of not only um the president, but the great dean there, you know, they really kind of see a, a, a vision for the future um, where, uh, you know, people where, where the walls are tore down. Right. And the PhDs are sitting in a room with the activists who are doing the public safety and the mutual aid who are sitting in the same room with the pastors who are taking copious notes with the seminarian who are trying to like work with me and the other professors to create some sort of working model we can hand mm. people. You know what I mean? That, that that's community. That's more than just one component of community, but really kind of a fleshed out, well-rounded apostolic community, right? Where there's common goals, common pot, you know, not, you know, shared, uh, uh resources diversity and labor you know like like the, well, the, the shit <laughs> so yeah, i mean i think that sounds like uh, what a lot of schools should be doing because sometimes they they just stay in the theory <laughs> right it sounds really nice and it's, it sounds very good but it doesn't really translate into practice and i think well well know, the Mainline seminaries have a lot to answer for. They've prepared an entire generation of pastors for a church that doesn't exist. Mm. The institution is always trying to revive itself and never trying to revive the community. Mm. 
Yeah, that's right? that's a that's an important difference. Right? I'm I'm gonna tweet that right now. Yeah, sure. Before I, before <laughs> I forget. Well, I wanted to to talk to you a little bit. You know, at St. Stephen's, we have been doing a lot of work with different small groups about anti-racism. Yeah. Um, and when I, I when I read your your first book, I was. I was sure that the Episcopal Church was the widest denomination in America. So I was surprised when I was when you had that title for your book and I was like, Oh, I thought it was the Episcopal Church. I'm sure it's close. It's a close race. It's a close <laughs> race. Yeah. But I think um I also follow some of the work that you did to create to like give reparations to people um yeah. to, to black elders and to black clergy in the yeah. ELCA and would, could you tell us more about that because as we have been doing this work I think it's important as a church that we continue to do this anti-racist work but how can we do it better or how can yeah. we continue yeah. to grow in this work yeah, I'm, you know, I'm always behind reparations work. I always beat on the Episcopal Church a little bit hard about that. Um, you guys own Manhattan. There's there's a little bit y'all could do. Um, and, 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 and the truth of the matter is, is that we will not be able to give everyone's Lincoln's promise. And my great, great grandfather served in the Union Army to fight for our freedom, right? And, and he was promised some things. He was promised 40 acres, a mule, and his salary, none of which he received, right? And so none of us will be able to afford to personally pay Lincoln's bill. What we can do is start to spread and seed the idea amongst community. And we can do that as spiritual leaders in real easy ways. And I always talk about... You know, your, your church is either in two places. It's either in building peace or waging peace. And you'll know because when George Floyd died, you either started a book club or you're out in the streets. And if you had a book club, now you're ready to get out in the streets. You're ready to do something now. So, you know, you're at the waging peace stage and it's time, right? Micro. Yeah, yeah Micro we, we were at the, at the protest. I mean, I wasn't there. Because yeah, but, the yeah US, but, but people were there from the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And you had different people. And sometimes communities are scattered. You've got some people who are building peace. They need the education. They need the, 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 the affirmation. They need the love. They need the training before they're sent out there. Right. But you want to always have an action reflection model. You want to give them just enough to get them on the streets. Let them see the realities for themselves. Then come back and reflect mm. in community under leadership. Right. With with uh with the divine right you want that's 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 where they get the healing and that's how the process you know keeps going it's like a continuous liberation cycle and so like an easy thing to do you're in houston uh saint stephen microloans put up sixty thousand dollars seventy thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars and you do you do three to ten thousand dollar loans you create a board you look at people's businesses you look at their you know their their finances, you, you take a look at who they are. You make sure you never give the microloans to a member of the church hmm. unless they're a member in need, in which case you have a separate fund for that. I'm sure St. Stephen, right? You could do yes. an internal one for that, for people who actually become members. But, you know, just this outward facing microloans. And I'm telling you $3,000 liquid for a small business in your community can save the day. Not only that, the word gets out. Man, St. Stephen is invested in us. And are you going to lose once or twice? Yeah, just like the bank does, right? But but those sort of models, those sort of like, hey, we're going to buy this block next to us and, 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 and we're not going to tear everything down and put up a bunch of affordable housing so we can profit off it. We're going to fix up what's here. And we're going to start like figuring out some sort of program for the houseless in the community, or we're going to start renting out two or three of these homes to people who did our microloan program and are ready to like buy their own home. Right. And we're going to help them do that. Right. Like those sort of things, those sort of like land back kind of movements. Right. 
right? To everyone, right? Because, you know, we were promised something that's not ours. You know, we're on land that's not ours. And, yeah. and, and we're all here because of decisions our parents, 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 parents made. Right. In the yeah. long run, I mean, that's 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 the American story. You know, a lot of us, America is a land of people who who have the most ancestral work to do probably in the world and refuse to do it. What I want to ask you is, you know, when you think of LGBTQ people or people in the margins, BIPOC people that are in the church, what what message do you have for them from your experiences of how to, because in my case, I want to stay in the church and continue to do this work I'll to share. try to to yeah. try to share the love that I've received from God as a trans person. When right. people told me that I wasn't a lovable person, I want to share the love that I have received and accepted with others people that that might need it. I mean, all of us need it, but that might be looking for. It. So what, what can you share for, for us? <laughs> yeah, well, I say first for those of us who are, you know, for my queer, trans, and two-spirited babies out there, I love you. Um, you know, um, particularly my trans babies, like, you know, my pronouns are he, they. And that's mostly because of the way I show up for people, right? And, you know, and I say the second half of my pronouns. I didn't do, like, a big announcement or anything, right? And, but I've, I've had those feelings most of my life. So shout out to y'all. I love y'all. And I just want to say that you can't be, the, the church can't be our sole sustenance, but it is sustenance, right? And we can mm -hmm. create community, but we, we, we got to know why we're there, right? We, we, yeah. we got to be targeted. Every community I did, I tried to be targeted. You know, um, Jehu's Table, uh, for, for better or for worse, I tried to specifically speak to queer people in East New York, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Jubilee Collective. Um, it was the middle of the pandemic, and I just wanted to grab all the queer babies who had nowhere to go and were just mm -hmm. bouncing online anyway and really do some deep work and try to yeah. want something that would be real in the community. I think in a lot of ways, if you want to stay in the church, and this is what I failed to do, is that I, 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 was, I was afraid not to play the game. Like, you mm -hmm. are not playing the game. You're, like, doing a lot of creative stuff, and you're doing it at your own pace in your own way, and you're showing up, you are showing up. What I did was I was smart enough to know that I wouldn't get far if I showed up the way I wanted to. So I played along long enough until I could get what I wanted. And that's mostly because of my experiences early on in the church. Um, I was exposed to a lot of the top leadership within the first two or three months of me being in mm. seminary and, and just saw a side of them. Yeah. Um, that I don't think they knew they were showing me at the time, but I saw, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just the way my brain works. And, um, and, and I knew that wasn't for me. So I knew I was in, you know, um, I had professors tell me early on, you're, you're going to make a much better professor and you won't be a, you won't be a pastor long. And, <laughs> you know, I had other bishops say you have to choose between pastoral and prophetic, which I think is a false dichotomy, but like, you know, the word was getting out. Yeah, And um, I knew that this choice was coming, but I think the thing I failed to do is that I failed to lean into our thing, whatever your thing is, like whatever your earth-based, indigenous, loving practices and weave that into your church, weave that mm. into your community and show up as you are, right? And don't expect the church to be your sustenance. Yeah. I think a lot of us show up and we expect the church to be our sustenance, right? We want the same things that the other people got because that's equity or at least mm. equality. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what did they get? A crumbling empire, uh, a failed institution. And in a lot of ways, desperate for us anyway. So at the end of the day, we're the gift. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's weird. It's like gold looking for gold, right? Mm. And I spent a yeah. lot of time doing that. It's like treasure chasing treasure. And I was, I, I was the treasure chasing treasure in the church. Mm. And so, you know, I would say slow down. You come equipped with a whole lot already. Bring all that to the table. Um, now's not a time to doubt what you know, but to mm. go deeper with what you know. Right. And, um, and, and, 
and look for those things that Christ said you do. Christ said you will do still greater things than these. Mm. You know, after everything he had done. Yeah. So, so you know, there's people still chasing that, still chasing that that community that we see in Acts, right? Well, thank thank you, Lenny. Thank you for for being yourself, uh, for for letting us see that, um, for sharing that with us, and for your wisdom. I think for me, the first time I I started reading your books and reading your work, um, it made sense, um, but it was also new. Um, yeah. In a way, um, especially because you know I'm I'm not from the U.S. and I know the history, but it's not it's not the same as a person who is from that place and who is also a black person who has experienced things that I haven't experienced. Um, so I think I I appreciate that because that's the only way that that we can truly see each other when when we can see the experiences of the other person and connect them with their own experiences, even if they're not the same, but we all have experienced similar sacred, emotions. <laughs> yeah. Sacred storytelling is what's going to save us. We need to yeah. look to the poets, look to the poets, look to the artists, look to the, look to them. It's time, you know? Yeah. And we are back. I had a lot of time to sit with Valenny's chair. And there were many things that um, spoke to me or that resonated with me. Among those things where I asked myself, you know, how, how am I loving my church, our church, in this case, the Episcopal Church? Mm. But, you know, we could go wider to the Christian church. And how am I helping our church in the anti-racism and reparations efforts? Um, that really is something that I'm sitting with and reflecting on and analyzing. Also, it was really meaningful for me um, as I heard Lenny and his journey with his faith and his spirituality now, it was really rich to hear that um, about how other faiths can connect with us and how other faiths can help us in our own spiritual journeys. What resonated with you, Adamian? Andreas, I'm always amazed by the boldness mm. um, one needs to have in order to be a radical um, conveyor of the gospel. Um, and Lenny is yeah. just that. Ra ra Lenny's um, outlook and uh, view of the text and of how he has been able to mature and be rebirthed in his in his walk in mm. Christianity and um, his um, personhood, his manhood, I think has is a wonderful reminder that it is truly an act of God's grace that we are able to live out and address the matters that need to be addressed and that we speak to the issues that have been um, ailing us in society for so long. Uh, Lenny's um, is truly a gift. And I think not just by the, um, the books that he's written and the podcast conversation that he has as well, but he is determined to let his light shine. And so for that, I am so thankful that he is not hiding it under a bushel, but yeah. that he is truly letting it, um, his light shine and that he can um, speak to our leaders and he can speak um, and he can, so he can speak to kings and queens and yet <laughs> keep the common touch. And so that I think, I think yeah. that is why I appreciated his conversation with you so much because 
we need that um we need that so much in our churches and in our in our church today we need people who can speak to our leaders but also speak to the person who sits in the pew and is um feeling voiceless and is mm. feeling a lack of imagination and a fear to grow and so i am so thankful for his gift yeah i i had not thought about that that way but it is true i mean he he is true to himself and i mm -hmm. i really value that um because um he could have you know accommodated to a system or he could have toned down his message or his way of being mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and existing in the world but he didn't do that and exactly. and i know that maybe people that that um hear him might not agree with him or not be on the same page that he is but that's okay the important is to have the dialogue to have that Absolutely. conversation Absolutely. Um, and i also appreciated you know when he was sharing the story about his interaction with bishop presiding bishop michael curry i appreciated that he talked to the bishop in person and had an interaction with him directly instead of just saying things in social media or through some other way um right. so right. i appreciated that he he um did that that way which because i think that's that's the way to approach differences um to to talk directly to the person and to to do it from a place of love um and kindness and compassion Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely think that this episode will spark a lot of conversation, and we hope that's the case. So uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Faith from the Margins, and let us know what you think about this conversation, about what came up for you as you listened to Lenny. Um, we really want to hear from you. Yes, Andres, I am so excited about. Uh, the feedback and the response that our listeners will give us here at Faith on the Margins from their hearing and from our offering uh, with Lenny's conversation. So friends, please do not forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate our podcast and share it with your community. We'll appreciate all of your support. Yes, we really do. We're really grateful and we are Really excited to see you on our next episode. Bye, friends. Take care. Bye.